advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world right now. This is Amrys Wang of The Raw Entrepreneur. Today's episode is with the laziest man in the world who has made such a profound impact in the way I think and view how raw food should be fed to our cats and dogs. His bath-like formulation has helped so many sick rescues of mine that people used to think that I was being paid to promote him. Not. He is the godfather of the bath diet, Dr. Ian Billinghurst. This is part two of his story. But during COVID, I've done a bit more cooking and I, and I have thought, apart from the fact that it needs to be healthy, we should make each meal an enjoyable thing to do, not just stuff it in because we know we need to eat. Mm. We should make it. So I, I love slow food if we can do it and really good food. Um, so I've just, I have learned to cook as well to a, to a small degree, not to a big degree, just to a small degree. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. But that, <laughs> but you see, that's like, that's a social component, isn't it? Where you enjoy the meal with your family. Oh, most definitely. Yes. Meal, that's a very important part of living. The social mm. component of eating. Yes. It's, it's what we do. We're social animals. Even yeah. us introverts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We as long as it's our family, we don't mind. Yeah. I would say in that sense, we're actually highly selective in who we mix with. <laughs> And so we spend time with. Let's, let's go with that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I'm enjoying um, spending time with a fellow introvert today. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it, you know, I want to thank you because, uh, you know, I've really wanted to interview you, I think, since day one when I decided to do my podcast. Um, and it took me a long time to pluck up the courage to even send you an email. Um no, no, really, because I think you're like a superhero kind of thing, you know. You're like one of those those like Marvel comics. Yeah, know? but that's but that's a myth that doesn't exist. <laughs> I don't know. To me, you're like Doctor Strange, you know. Uh, you, 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 you're so legendary, and um, that's it. Legends are untrue. <laughs> but well, now that I know the truth about Doctor Ian Billinghurst, you're Excellent. truly. You're truly the most extremely lazy person I've ever met in my That's entire exactly life. That's exactly right. Ask my wife, she will agree with you. 
And you know, thanks to your extreme laziness, the 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 amount of of literature that you came out with, you know, um, thinking that you did not want to to keep repeating yourself, but ironically, right. you did end up doing that. That's um, exactly right. Um, you have made such a huge impact, you know, um, all around the world. I mean, like to to have your the bath diet in Chinese today is. It's it's uh it's really amazing, you know. I remember when I had your your bath diet like more than ten years ago, and it was that little booklet in English, you know. And I still remember when I bought it from Alfred. Oh know, right, yes, yes. When he was um um when I got to know him for Bath Singapore, and and he was selling the book, and I remember it was. It, it wasn't cheap in terms of a book, okay? Mm-hmm. Yes. The retail price wasn't cheap. It was a pretty penny. It was at least, I think, $40, $50 Singapore, something right. like that, okay? Mm-hmm. And I sort of like, what? You know? <laughs> and I had a look at the picture and I looked and I, I remember like looking at how many pages it was in the book. <laughs> okay, you know, being very Asian and calculative and you're looking at, you know, pennies and, you know, to the pound kind of thing. And I was like, Okay, this is a very expensive book. <laughs> For the number of pages, the print-wise, it's a very, very expensive book. But because I was so desperate to learn, because I was so tired of what listening to the vet, you know what the vet kept telling me. I said, "There's something off. Something is off. I need to. I need to learn something else." You know, so I I decided, okay, I'm going to pay for the book, which was almost the price of the box of bath. I remember, you know, <laughs> you know, or, or raw food that time the patties, um, but it really opened my mind, and you know, I I have to thank you because I have loaned that book out to so many people now. You know, um, I get um, people who write to me and say the dog ate the book. <laughs> the dog ate my homework, but the dog literally did because they were, as they were preparing the food, they were reading the book, and of course, it became covered with food. <laughs> the dog <laughs> ate it. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's it's your very simple philosophy. You know that raw feeding is that simple. It really isn't that difficult, mm. but for whatever reason. You know, some people make it very complicated, uh, very specialized. Maybe it's the human nature. I think it's human nature. You know, we like to complicate things and make it very um, special and elitist. Maybe you know. Yes. Um, but you. I tried to present something that was cheap and easy. Yeah, and that's what I try to do because I work with a lot of low-income families when I do my volunteer rescue work um, in the community, and I try to educate both dog parents and cat parents, like especially cat parents because they feed kibble for the cats because mm-hmm. it's really cheap as chips. And, you know, and they end up having UTIs and they can't, and ironically, they can't afford the vet bill of sending the cat to the vet. You know, um, I remember there was one family, their cat had a blockage and I said, you really need to send the cat to the vet. And they, the cat was at the vet for almost a week and and the bill came up to over a thousand dollars Singapore yes. dollars, which is still a lot of money for for the average Joe. And these are low income people, you mm-hmm. know they don't they don't earn a lot of money. Most of them don't have full time jobs, 
And I remember the family, they were scraping the money by trying to borrow it from relatives. And um, the boyfriend actually sold his fishing rod oh, <clears throat> to help contribute, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to the bill. And I told them, if you can, <clears throat> cut down on the dry food, feed more wet food or canned food. But even canned food's expensive when you, you know, if you keep yes. buying it. So I said, if you cook at home, you can just actually give your animal a mixture. So I told them, like, you can just combine it, you know. Even if you still had to feed kibble, just add a bit more uh, fresh food, some meat. And I taught them how to make bone broth. But we didn't use the word bone broth because they don't understand bone broth. I said, just chicken soup. Right. Yes, of course. I said, just put the whole chicken inside. You know, like, how are you going to make chicken soup for your family? And then when it's done, you just give the liquid. You can peel the meat off the bone. Don't give the cooked bone, I, I will tell them. But you can give the meat, you can give the organs as well, you know. And now, this family, they tell people don't feed dry food. And they don't earn a lot of money. <clears throat> they don't earn a lot of money, you yeah. know. But they, they do the best they can by, by really working with other, being, trying to be resourceful. It's not mm. just about the, they have limited resources, but they <clears throat> they try to be creative. Yes, well, <clears throat> if you they can use all their scraps for the animals from their food, and that's that's the way. Yeah. And that's that's why traditionally animals have been fed, and they've yeah. survived and th- and thrived and reproduced and stayed with us yeah. by living on human food scraps. It wasn't yeah. until gosh. 50s and 60s in America and the 70s and 80s in Australia that we really became fans of uh, processed pet food. That's right. Everybody thinks that's the way they were, it's always been. And it's vital that we feed them that way. Doesn't yeah. make sense, but they accept it. I know. It's, it's, it's one of those, thing, those things. I, I think especially for, I have a friend, a girlfriend, she likes giant breed dogs. You know, she used to have a Great Dane, but she, she would tell me like very sadly, like, Oh, but my Great Dane didn't live very long, um, you know. Well, they don't. No, that's right. But um, when I was in America, um, I would pe- speak to people who had fed raw. They, they were already feeding raw. And their Great Danes had lived to 17 mm-hmm. instead of the eight or nine they currently live to. That said something. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing, you know. And I think, I think that's why when... <clears throat> when people can see the change in their pets when they sw- when they switch the food and especially if they have very sick animals and they make that switch mm. because i think usually if it's a healthy dog they might not see it straight away but when you switch from say um like when i do my rescue work like palliative care for instance when you switch them to a raw food diet you can actually see the healing process very fast, it's very dramatic, you know, from say like a dog with kidney failure, um, skin problems and couldn't walk, suddenly can walk and then can go for long walks, for instance, you know. It's and- interesting you mentioned kidney failure because that bath light is based on my kidney failure diet. And that's what I love about your bath light. It was my, I think, I think my friends were so sick of me talking about bath light. They probably thought that I was like taking a cut from it because I keep telling I'm not I honestly am not taking any money from from this company you know but I said if you have a sick animal use the bath light you know and 
And, and it's easy to make too. Exactly. Fact, I've, I've got to produce my my book on on. Um, I actually have a name for it. I can't share it with you yet, but okay. um, <laughs> uh, on prescription diets, raw prescription diets. Um, well, when it's out, please let me know because I would definitely support you and buy the book because, you know, it it's your book, it's your work, um, Bath Light, that really helps so many sick dogs. It, it's the basis for most of those prescription diets. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's, it's, and it's, so amazing. Simple. It's, it's amazing. It's so amazing. It's amazing. And I remember my last foster dog that I had a few years ago, um, he was an island, he was a offshore island dog. He was a stray and he, be, he got caught and was put in the shelter, but he had kidney failure to the point where the machine can't read the, the results apparently, you know, and he had Demodex, he had all sorts of problems. I think the shelter, the rescue shelter didn't have enough money to fully diagnose him because they just don't, can't afford it. Mm -hmm. And the vet, actually um, suggested, okay, let's euthanize him because it, it, they felt that it was very inhumane to keep him on drip back and forth, back and forth. There wasn't any quality of life for him, according to them, yep. because they've done everything already. And my friend at the shelter, she was telling me the story about this dog and his name was called Mange Boy. <laughs> dear, dear. I, I know, the things people do, right? So they called him Mange Boy and, and they said, like, oh, he's feral. Um, he's got to be a muzzle. You know, he's, he's aggressive, very difficult to, to even do the subcut fluids and all that. So I was, and, but she said, you know, but he's a poor thing. Poor, you know, like really poor thing. And she was kind of like, I think hinting to me because by then I was kind of known among my small circle of friends that I was a raw feeder. And I would use more like nutraceuticals, herbs, you know, uh, supplements. And usually when, when animals are so sick and people have given up, I, you know, I might, pick, I might take them over and usually I can resuscitate them to life. Even yes. if it's for a brief period of time, they, they actually do very well until their battery runs out naturally. Yes. So, um, so she was sort of like, I think, hinting to me about this dog, Mange Boy. So, so, and I wasn't <laughs> actually keen on taking on another rescue because I currently have 12 cats and one dog at home. And I live in a 72 square meter flat. Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. But I have a cat super highway and everything. I'll send you the pictures one day. You know? um, <laughs> but, um, but basically I wasn't in the market for looking to foster another dog, especially a mongrel, you know, a, a bigger, not a toy dog. We're not talking about chihuahuas or anything like that. You know, we're talking about a mongrel, a local dog. And I was like, I'm not really keen, but I said, okay, I'll go, I'll go and have a look at, uh, at the dog at the clinic. So the three of us went and you could smell him before you saw him. Mm -hmm. one. Yeah. And when we saw him finally, he was, he, he looked so pathetic and, and in the cage, but very emaciated, you know, really bones and everything and very bad skin and stinks like hell. But I looked into his eyes and, you know, when you look into an animal's eyes and they can tell you whether or not they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. He wasn't ready to go yet. He, he had very defiant eyes. He was just staring at me. And I think he stared at all three of us because we all said the same thing after that. Like, okay, we're going to bring him home. <laughs> but, well, I don't know. what He did a Jedi mind thing on us. I don't know what he did. <laughs> yes. But the three of us 
independently came together and said, you know what? We're going to take him out. We, we don't have space in my home, but we'll make space for him. My goodness. You know, um, I don't know how I was going to do it because at that time I had 12 free roaming cats and one dog that's not exactly, um, she's hypersensitive to, you know, things. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know, another dog and about her size, hmm, you know. But I said like, okay. But I think sometimes, you know how you say the universe hears you and supports you? Uh-huh. You don't think too much of how to get it done. You just think like, it's got to, you know, I'm going to do it. I don't know how, but it's going to get done, you yes. know? Yes. Uh, and you don't worry about the details. I, I'm a bit like you sometimes, <laughs> like, oh, well, fuck it. We'll get it done somehow. It will work it out, you know? So I was I, like... I love your attitude. So word got out among our friends and suddenly we had a, a good friend of ours said, okay, um, they knew our, our living situation said, okay, We'll, I said, I need to get a, a, a big cage for him to confine him, you know, like a, a big kennel thing, at least for the in, in, initial period to quarantine, because I didn't have a room for him to mm. quarantine, okay? So he had to live in my living room, all right? Nice. I'll show you, pic- I'll, I'll send you pictures and you will just see how crazy it was. But so we managed to go to a, a pet shop that's um, rescue friendly in that sense. And they sort of know us because we buy a lot of uh, food for the cats from them. But um, we got two three fit, feet cages combined together to make it, make it into a six foot cage for him. <laughs> okay, so that was literally like one side of my wall of my living room. Yes, I can imagine. <laughs> and I lined it in such a way because I have a bit of OCD. So I was thinking in terms of like, okay, a dog's going to stand up and pee at some point. So I don't want the pee to come out of the cage into my house. So I had to do like, I don't know, like a Leonardo da Vinci dam kind of thing construct in my in, in the cage. So mm-hmm. I had to line it many ways. Like, okay, I had to make it comfortable. So no wire caging for him. So I had to buy, you know, those plastic um, square towels to line the cage first. And then like I put, towels and oh pee pads because I was obsessed with pee so pee and then I had to do the I cut plastic sheets to make a u-boat a u-shaped thing to make a boat out of the whole internal like a lowest arc so that even if he peed onto the like a dog with his leg up the pee will will get absorbed at a pee pad and it will it'll go down to underneath the pee pad. If you can see what I'm, I was going for <laughs> in my very convoluted OCD brain, I just wanted to minimize cleaning up. I wanted to contain the mess. I, I understand that. You know, I wanted, to contain, the, I wanted yes. to contain the mess. And so we prepped him and we shipped him in. And uh, I don't know how we did it, but we managed to get donors and friends shipping in. And we got him in, and the f- and I caught up Alfred. Yes, I love Alfred to bits. He's so shy. He's another one I want to interview in Singapore, but he's so shy, you know. <laughs> and I said, Alfred, um, I need to get bar flight for this dog, and he was so kind. Um, you know, he actually supports uh, what I did, so he gave me like a you know a little bit of a discount, you know, with whatever. He said, but don't tell anyone. Oops, I've now let the cat out of the bag now. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, he's such a good man, you know, and and um, it's thanks to him and you that uh, and I changed Mange Boy's name the day I brought him <laughs> home. I said you are um, okay. Rest in peace, Mange Boy. 
you're dead now. You're coming home with me. Now I, I Christian you, you're reborn, you know, like yes. a re- born again, uh, raw fat dog, yes. you know. Yes. Um, you're now named Bear. B-E-A-R. Because oh. he had a very defined look in his face. You know, like he was so solitary. So, you know, like such a loner, you know. And I said, you're going to be Bear. You're going to be a survivor. I don't know how long you have to live because the vet said you're only going to live uh, less than a month. So I took him out. I took him home, I think, 22nd or 23rd of November. So his countdown was before Christmas. By Christmas, he was supposed to be dead, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so I remember I brought him home and I just gave him, here you go, bath. And But I had lots of, I had turmeric. I had all sorts of stuff inside as well. I had some, you know, turmeric. I had some extra eggs for him because he was so skinny. I said, you know, like I'm, I'm like one of those like Italian mamas. You're yes. so skinny, you better eat some more. Feed, And feed. Jewish mamas. Yeah, and Jewish, Chinese people as well. You got to eat some more. You got to eat right. some more. You're too skinny, yeah. you know. So I fed him and... Thus became his journey of detox period, like what I went through with Chinese medicine. So much diarrhea coming out of his ass. (laughs) (laughs) But I was so excited for him. It was funny because I took so much, I took so many pictures. I think only only raw feeders will be obsessed with poop. Yes. I think only people who feed raw are obsessed with poop because I was taking pictures of it with, you know, like with my gloves and 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 yes. showing, oh my, showing my friends, like, look at how much crap's coming out of his body. <laughs> uh, a massive cleaning because he was confined in there, but uh, he managed to live for 15 months and 13 days. How old was he, do you know? I suppose you don't have any idea. Well, um, when I brought him to the vet, for his checkup because initially the shelter sponsored uh, a couple more vet visits for him because I told I told them like I can't afford the vet bills I don't want to pay mm. the vet bills but if you give him to me I'll just take him and feed him and you know if he yeah. dies he dies but he'll eat well I promise them okay <laughs> so when I brought him to the vet and I told the vet I said he's eating a raw food diet the the vet who's quite young um, I think she was probably fresh out of university 20s 30s She's sort of horrified. (gasps) You can't feed raw. You're going to kill him. And then I gave, and then I sent her the website. I said, here's the website for the bath light. Because there was a website that Alfred had and he had the analysis and ingredients, right? Yes. And she looked at it and said, no, 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 no. This is bad. This is bad for him. This is bad. He's got kidney failure. It's bad for him. And, And then I looked at her and I said, well, with all due respect, you guys wanted to euthanize him uh, like just a few weeks ago. So he's actually enjoying this food. So if he's going to die from it, at least he's going to die a happy dog with a full belly, you know. So she was a bit like taken aback, you know, because she said like you should feed him the prescription diet, you know, the kidney, the KD diet. That's what she wanted me to feed him. I said, no. I said, he doesn't like it, number one, plus he's eating so well. He's putting on weight because we weighed him at the clinic. Yes. He's actually putting on weight, you know. And she was like a bit miffed with me, this young vet. You know, she was like a bit like, oh, my God. He's very exasperated with this client. This client this, this is, oh, my God, this stupid woman. You know what she's doing? You know, she's killing the dog. And know? she's not obeying my edicts because I'm the wise one. Yeah. You know, she's in the white coat. Um, yes. But... 
I remember one month into his staying with me and I was doing his subcut fluids every day as I was instructed. Um, just before Christmas, one day he stood up. At that point, he was still very weak. He couldn't stand up. But suddenly he stood up and he walked away from his line. So the, the needle came out and flew around, if you can imagine. Yes, yes. Because I had it, I had it strung over his cage on a on a on one of my my cat's super highway. I had a plank above him. And right. the drip and everything was coming down, you know, like a line with the, the bag and everything. Yes, yes, and yes. it was going through the the, the cage because he was in the cage, right? Quarantine. And he stood up, he walked away, and the thing was and then there was a bit of blood going around as well. And I'm going like, oh my God, you know, what the fuck? And then I and I went like what did you do? Are you okay? And I tried to put it back in and he, and he kept walking away. He kept resisting. And, don't need that. Yeah. And you know, and then suddenly my, my, my training stuff kicked in my, not my training, my instinct kicking in like, okay, are you dying? Are you telling me you don't need it anymore? Is it, is it your time to go? And you know, I said, okay, maybe it's his time to go, but I should respect him because he doesn't want it. So I, I didn't give him the drip anymore. And when I brought him to the vet, it was, I think in February, Mm-hmm. That was his next visit. Um, the vet that saw him and we took the urine for testing because they always wanted to check his urine. Um, she was very perplexed. She came back and said, his urine is now concentrated. <gasps> because it was very diluted. Yes, of course. Well, that's one of the signs of kidney failure, the dilute um, well, low yeah. specific gravity. Yep. Yeah. So when I when I brought them his 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 golden urine, his golden liquid. <laughs> Um, when, when she got the test results back, she had a very perplexed look. And I still remember because it was, it was just before the public holiday over here. And her husband was waiting just outside. And she said to him, it's very strange. This dog has kidney failure, but his urine is concentrated. I don't understand. And his blood work actually from the machine could not read it in the beginning. Yes. Out of range. It yes. became normal. That would have right. been very perplexing for her. Yes. And this clinic in particular, they do not believe in raw food. Yep. It is a company policy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a company policy, right? Yes, yes, yes. So she it, was... It's, it's a religion. It's a faith. It's yeah. Non, non-raw food. Yeah. yeah. And, and so she was very perplexed. And she looked at me and she said, what are you feeding this dog? Because this was another vet. This wasn't the younger vet. It was an no, older no, vet. I guess an older vet, yep. Yeah. And... And I said, well, I'm feeding, I said, you won't like it, but I'm feeding him a raw food diet. And I, I sent him the website. I said, this is Dr. Billinghurst Bath's diet, okay? And this is the bath light that I'm using specifically for him. And she was, hmm. So she kept quiet for a while. And then she looked at me and said, well, officially, I have to tell you, we do not support raw feeding. It's bad for your dog. Good idea. But she said, <laughs> yes. keep doing what you're doing. Because you're obviously doing something right. And soon after that, apparently she left the clinic to, to work somewhere else. That's what I heard. Yes. <laughs> you changed her life. I don't know. I hope so. I, I hope she, she, she will look into it more. That's, that's always my hope, you know, that we sort of spark a, a, spark a match in there and a bit of a, a light going like, hmm, you know, like, Hmm. <laughs> yes, I'm you know? sure you did. You had, you obviously did. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. And, and that's what is happening slowly around the world as people take in dogs. Yeah. That are, that are getting better. 
Yeah, and it's wonderful. You are doing such a wonderful job. No, it's it's, thank you for using the bar of light in this way because that's what it is designed for. It's I I have a nurse whose husband has Modi diabetes, but he also has kidney failure, right? And he was heading for a kidney transplant, so she came to me because she knew my work. She said, What can we give him? So we changed his diet, now his numbers are coming down, and his kidney function to the absolute astonishment of his specialist, is being restored. Oh, that will, that will really mess up their day, isn't it? Yes, it will it befuddle does. them because, yes. I mean, when it comes to, okay, one thing with dogs and kidney, but humans and kidney, okay, the things you hear with nutrition and the human body, the mm-hmm. things that the doctors tell you, especially if you have gout, for instance, you know, yeah. you or you have to cook the vegetables to death, you know, you got to boil it and then you got to throw away the water until it's like literally, you know, limping and shadow of its life kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and the kidney diet, I mean, like for humans, when you tell them to improve their diet, they, they won't believe you. It's so hard. Well, it depends what, whether you tell them to improve it according to the current media standards or whether you tell them the truth. But what, so what did you feed the human kidney? The bar flight. <laughs> human style. But basically the same principles. Basically the same principles. Um, because all that vegetable fibre, do, you know, do you know the principle at all? You understand it? Educate me and my listeners, please. Okay, okay. Well, it's, uh, short chain fatty acids produced by bacteria in the bowel when they gobble up fiber, insoluble fiber, as basically cellulose, present in raw whole foods, vegetables. And what that does, what happens then is that they've got a source of energy, fat, short-chain fatty acids. It also feeds the bowel wall and more blood comes to the bowel. But those bacteria now have this energy source they want to multiply. But to multiply, they need protein. And protein is formed from any, any set of carbons plus nitrogen. Where do they get their nitrogen from? Nitrogenous wastes wandering around the body, but also included in those extra blood vessels that are now growing in the bowel wall because of the short-chain, short-chain fatty acids they're producing that are feeding the bowel wall. So they pull the nitro, nitrogenous wastes out of the bloodstream to feed themselves. And they produce more bacterial bodies, more poop, more bacteria poop. So they're acting as a third kidney simply by adding lots of dietary fiber. Now, in addition, in addition, we know that the, there is no carbohydrates to promote inflammation. There is increased levels of omega-3, both in the plant material and because we add a little bit of fish oil and or um, fish to the diet. So we're increasing its anti-inflammatory effect. And there's all those polyphenols that work their magic in the body um, in all sorts of ways that that are pro-health. And we've reduced the amount of protein in the diet, but not too much. And I tell people if they want to really add to the effect because it's phosphorus that progresses, high phosphorus levels that progresses kidney disease, get some prawn shells, they're chitin. And you can actually get prawn shells and eggshells, eggshells are calcium carbonate, and together they bind the phosphorus and take it out. So you're doing marvellous things with very simple 
diet, but the, the butterfly doesn't have corn shells or, 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 or eggs, or it does have eggshells in it, but that's, that's a little bit extra you can do if you, with severe kidney failure. But most dogs, because you're actually feeding food that heals the body, unlike the prescription diets based on grain, which just deal with low phosphorus and low protein, that's it. Um, maybe today they're understanding a bit of extra omega-3, but by the time they've cooked it, it's already <coughs> rancid and damaging. So that's not great anyway. But the, but the bar flight does the job. It's so simple and it's so effective. And it's just based on bacterial physiology and human and, and um, mammalian physiology and biochemistry. But you don't have to know that. Just feed it. Just feed lots of veggies. And it's like the animal eating the gut contents of an animal that's killed. Oh, all I know is I love your bar flight. It was the number one uh, thing that I would always feed, my go-to, my go-to yes. recipe. Well, for, your instinct was 10,000% correct. You know, it, it really, it the, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's a very special recipe. So when you, when you, when you finish your book, do let me know because I, I want to have it. You know, I want to have it. Well, you're a lady I think I need to be in constant contact with because you can inspire me. <laughs> Oh, no, I, I think I'm not as lazy as you, but I am a lazy person. So I aspire to be as lazy as you one day. If I can be, half as, if I can be half as lazy as you, um, awesome. Really, that, that, that would be wonderful, you know. But it's, your, you know, your work, your books, your bath light um, truly was a game changer uh, for a lot of my sick animals. I mean, like, when, when Bear got well, and people could see from, from his skin, I have to send you pictures, but he had a, a hairless ratty tail. Yes, I understand that. Okay. And towards the end of his life, it became a full tail. Yes. You know, and I, because I was living, I lived with him and I took care of him. So sometimes you don't see that change very immediate. It's too gradual, yes. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're there, you're in the hole, you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're in yes. there. But I have friends when they come to visit, and because they've seen him in, you know, phases, yes. right? So towards the end, they were all like very surprised. They're like, is this bear? <laughs> yes. They, number one, he didn't, he didn't stink that bad after all. His skin was healing very, very well because he used to have a lot of postules and, oh, and um, boils. Yes. And, you know, he was bleeding all the time. He had incontinence, you know, so he, he was dribbling pee everywhere. I mean, he was an old dog. We estimate maybe... Definitely 10 or older. I don't know. The way he yeah. behaved, he, he had um, beginnings of dementia as well. Right. Did that start to improve at all? Um, he had good days and then he had bad days, you know. Right, yes. So I think the main thing was to keep him as comfortable, not so stressful. And so he'll be like, you know, like, okay. And then my dog really bonded with him, which was kind of funny. He, yeah. he, he enjoyed my female dog's very rambunctious bullying. Because she's such a hustler, you know, she's a tomboy girl dog, you know, she's like a little gangster girl kind of thing. And, and she, you know, she likes to play and she would, she would bully him. But I think because he was an old man and she probably think, oh, I like this attention for this young dog, you know, this female bitch was very, very nice. Very, it's very, very. Us, very... us old dogs <laughs> like bullying female bitches. <laughs> love the attention, love the attention. So, um, I could actually walk the two of them together, which is yeah. 
Very interesting. This story of uh, hair reminds me of one of my earliest patients that influenced me. His name was Paddy. He was an Irish setter. Can you imagine an Irish setter with no hair? Oh, my gosh. Mm. Mm. No hair, arthritic. I just wanted to put him down. Mm. I had just learned about real food. or come to, And I gave them my simple little sheet. And I thought they'd just take it away and euthanize him because we'd tried everything conventional. Anyway, I, I didn't hear from them. But six months later, they came back with this new dog. Hair flowing, walking freely, arthritis gone. I said, oh, what happened to Paddy? This is Paddy. Just And I think Paddy was one of the biggest influences on my life. To go from hairless, arthritic, to full flowing hair, moving freely, was just brilliant. All I did was change his diet. Huge testimonial. Yes. And Paddy, what a dog. Yeah. Anyway, it's, um, that, that, so you're mentioning about the rat tail and everything. It's, yeah. And we did some um, in Taiwan when, when I was getting my food into Taiwan. They took the food with all these dogs um, with terrible skin and just oozing allergies. Just changed some ankles to the, the pork and they just came beautifully well. Just mm. dogs that were not responding to antihistamines, to corticosteroids, to antibiotics, none of that. Just changed them to, to the pork patties and away they went just improved yeah they stopped making the pork because it was it wasn't making mm. enough money for them but, anyway, but that was a commercial decision not by me mm. no i remember that because uh i remember when he said no we're not doing pork anymore i was like what <laughs> so silly anyway but yeah no you're you know i mean like your bath patties like all the flavors, bath, like what, I mean, just that very simple concept of just feeding simple, real food. Mm. And even then, because, well, to be honest, uh, it's not, it's not cheap to be, you know, sustaining on, on, on your bath patties long-term, especially when I do a lot of rescue work. Oh, it's, it's not. I absolutely agree. It's not. So what I did was I sort of reverse engineered the recipe or what I could what you thought was a recipe yeah so i did a diy kind of like franken franken bath kind of uh version pray yes yeah good. Good, you good, know. good so and because i'm always on a budget because i do rescue so i don't print money i wish i did but i don't um so you know we always try you need to need a very expensive printer oh and lots and a big big freezer and i have to i have to thank alfred because he don't he gave me a secondhand chest freezer Oh, thank you, Alfred. He he was such he's such a sweetheart. He gave it to yes. me because I said to him, I said to him, "Hey, if you know of anyone who's going to sell a secondhand chest freezer, let me know. You know, just let me know." And he went, "Hey, I've got one that I'm not using at home. I'll give it to you." I was like, "Really? I'll give it to you." <laughs> Good heavens! He was yeah. he's, and he and he even brought it all the way to my home. You know, and I live on a twentieth story. I mean, we have a lift and everything. But, <laughs> He, My goodness. He, he, and his, he and his guy uh, brought this, and I didn't realize it was a big chest freezer. I thought it was like a, a small chest freezer, you know, like what you see in an ice cream shop, you know, yes, like a, yes, you know yes. the ice lollies kind of thing. Oh, no, no, no. This is the type that I think, well, with all due respect, I probably could put you inside. Yes. <laughs> okay, because I looked at pictures of you. So I think, yeah, so I think I could fold you in half, maybe. Yeah, I'm and, sure you could. 
and origami you a bit and I could put you in that chest freezer. Okay. So I was, I was gobsmacked. It was so big. And I was, you know, and, uh, he, when I think about today, my heart still gets very warm and, and, and fuzzy because he's such a kind man. But thanks to him, you know, I could, I could um, bulk, like, but go and buy in bulk, you know, like I would go to wholesalers and try and buy in bulk the raw food. And, you know, we'll try and mix and match what we can do. And I'll try and buy maybe some commercial raw food when I can afford it. And we'll mix it together. Lots of eggs and lots of veg, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's thanks to you, you know, that I, I did it the very lazy bath way. I mean, I did not use percentages so much. Even though, you know, we're all inculcated with that 80-10-10 rule. <laughs> <laughs> not for me, you know. Yeah, but you know, it's everywhere in the raw feeding world. Yes, in fact, know, that, know, that, there's always the basic structure when you try to tell people how to feed raw sometimes, like 80, 10, 10, or 80, 10, 5, 5 kind of thing. But you know, I I when people ask me how do I feed my dog or dogs at that time, I said, you know, honestly, I don't really measure. <laughs> I'm I'm one of those lazy cooks. I'm not a baker. I cannot bake because baking requires measurements. Very precise. It does. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm a lazy cook. I, I, you know, I just take a handful of stuff and I just throw it in, kind of cook. Kind uh, of see, thing. that's another influence. My mum was that sort of a cook. So it, it flowed straight to my bath thinking. You know, so put a little, a dash of this, a dash yeah, of that. That's right. Yes, you know? exactly oh, we got, right. we got some spare ones. Okay, we'll just go in. And, oh, I, I look, I'll look at my salad. Like, oh, it, it, it looks a bit limpy, but we'll go in. You know, <laughs> my, my dog will survive. You know, it's okay. My dog will survive. I'm, I'm thinking of you on the 20th floor with a dog that's peeing into loads and loads of newspapers and what have you. <laughs> How do you get rid of the, all that rubbish? Okay, so I live in a we, those government flats um, right. the government built these buildings so this building was built in the same year i was born in 1974 and what they did was every single column flat vertically down will have they will build a rubbish chute ah right so in your kitchen you will have a little metal door yep. where you open it up and you can throw your 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 crap in and it yep. goes all the way down into a bigger bin downstairs. Yep, yep, yep. So that's easy. That's easy. Now, the newer government buildings, they, they've taken away this uh, rubbish chute in every single flat to more of a common area along... Uh, Outside the... Yeah, it's more, of, I think, uh, in terms of logistics, planning, you know, cost-wise yeah, for them. Of course, yes. You know, so it's a common chute that people would dispose of on their level of floor. Okay. So with Bear, when he was still very weak and couldn't move, there was a lot of washing to do, a lot mm -hmm. of throwing away of pee pads and newspapers, plus towels, because I gave him a lot of towels as well to make it comfortable for him. And so my laundry for him, I would... There's only like two human beings living in this flat and we're two small hobbits, okay? But tiny hobbits with 12 cats at that time, two dogs. Um, actually, we had more than 12. We had a couple of newborn kittens that were fostering, but they don't count. They were tiny ones. Mm -hmm. But um, the amount of laundry that we did with Bear was almost five loads of a nine-kilogram washing machine. 
Yeah. A day yeah. on right. average, on average, four to five loads, full loads. That, that is dedication. And then and, you have to dry it. And I had a tumble dryer. Yep. And my and there was there was a time when the tumble dryer did die at one stage, but we managed to get that fixed, you know, uh, by hook or by crook. There was a few times during the lifespan that uh, the washer did die off, you know, but I am very blessed because I have some awesome neighbors, you know, living in a, my vertical village, as I call it, <laughs> yes, um, yes. who were very kind to lend me their washing machine and, and tumble dryer when I ever needed it, you know, well, I got my old one fixed. Um, you know, we have a very nice community and, I used to do a lot of because he he was incontinent, um, so he would dribble when he when he was finally um, out of the his confinement and right. he became fully integrated in my home. So I got him a we actually one of my friends bought him a IKEA uh, little sofa bed sofa thing from <laughs> IKEA. Funny. Like it was like ninety nine dollars, but it was one of those like it looks like a nice size for a dog bed, but the giant size for him. So we got him that so he would have one bed. My other dog would have one bed. So there's no politics on who owns what, you know, because I had, I had to think about, you know, territory. Um, but so I had a lot of mopping and cleaning in the house to do like, like many times a day just for him. But I didn't mind it so much. I, I don't know. I, I guess I loved him a lot. Mm, he must have done. Well, you're an amazing person. So I, I didn't complain. Uh, well, I did, obviously, you know, like, what the fuck? But, you know, um, here we go again, you know. But my house was the cleanest ever, I have to say. The floors were so clean. You would not believe it. I believe uh, it. But, um, but it's thanks to Bear that I, first time I, I used the bath light, like, he was, like, really a guinea pig. Because most times when we get um, cases like this, the, 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 the custodian, the animal caregiver in charge of the animal would, would might not want us to 100% feed raw or they might not 100% comply with our suggestions. So yes. Bear, Bear was um, a very good um, experiment, really. Have you reverse engineered Bear Flight yet? Uh, since Bear, um, I've done my version, but not quite. I don't think so. Because I, like I said, I'm a lazy person. Uh, <laughs> I'm a lazy person, so I work with what I have in uh, my you, fridge. You need a juicer. Okay, that I have. I, I recently got a juicer. Okay, and you recombine the juice with the pulp until it's just right. And uh-huh. you just keep adding the vegetable material until your BUN comes down to within normal limits in your creatinine. Uh-huh. But you could go up to uh, 80% vegetables. Wow, Okay. So, yeah, because that was what I was doing at one stage. But I didn't have a juicer at that time. I had a, a blender. I had a the juice is better. And, and then you can recombine just as no, enough of the juice. Because what you're doing is releasing all that um, cell wall from the cells. Okay. And then, then the contents of the cells become available as food. It's marvelous. So simple. What you're doing is mimicking the, um, the gut of an animal without the fermentation. And of course, you can add a bit of fermentation to that by adding some sauerkraut or kimchi or something. Cool. Yeah, that's one of the things that I started to learn was to make my own uh, sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I'm not a good cook. So 
I the first few times I tried to do with the cabbage thing and the water, the brine and all that, the, the first few times I realized that I was going to kill myself because yes. um, I didn't submerge it enough. So there was a bubble of air and I, you know, like, like I said, stupid me naturally, you know, I was like, oh, let me try and taste it. And then like, you know, I, I, I put my finger in and I took the really deep one and inside and then I was looking at the, and I was like, mm, you know, and then I looked at the, at the top layer and I went, hmm, that's a very strange film. <laughs> <laughs> you have to exclude all the air. Yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah. So I learned and I realized I shouldn't be a scientist scientist because I might kill myself one day without meaning to, uh, because I like to experiment <laughs> and taste things. <laughs> you know, having said that, one of my earliest teachers at high school, when I was in about third year, his name was Merv. We called him Merv the Perv. I don't know why we called him that, because I didn't even know what a perv was in those days. But anyway, and he said, we dig our graves with our knives and forks. Very wise man. Mm. And I... I didn't have a clue what he was talking about at that stage, but uh, later on I thought about it. Yeah, he was a wise man, yes. very wise. Yes. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, what you do is really amazing work. The laziest work ever that you've done, <laughs> you know, really. Would Do you... You know, you you said you sold your practice, you sold your the, the business and everything, and yes. you're you're officially retired now, or no? Well, no, not really, because now I'm doing a lot of I'm doing more consults than ever. We're still and we're still selling books, um, so that keeps me reasonably busy. Um, I'll do one tomorrow morning about this time, but we're doing I'm doing about I do charge a little bit these days because I'm retired. <laughs> you should, you should, yes, but, you should. But, um, it, it only attracts the people who really want my help. And then they, because they're paid for it, they actually do what I say. And that's, that, that's the best way for it to work. So There is yeah. a saying, when you pay, you pay attention. That's a good one, yes. When you pay, because I, 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 I realize something as well, because I would always give whatever advice for free, because I, I don't charge whatever I do. I still don't. But, you know, I realized that, you know, because I give so freely sometimes, people don't pay attention. That's true. You know, I will send them links of, you know, like reading material or websites or, you know, I'll point them in your direction or Karen Becker, Rodney Habibs or Keto Pet Sanctuary, you know, like mm -hmm. yep. just, just, just to, just to, or, you know, like Thomas Sandberg, Long Living Pets yes. uh, research. Like, you know, like if you want to learn, I keep telling them, don't take my words for it. Go and read, go, go and find out. Go and, and read all these people and, and, and what they're doing. I, and I, I would tell them, like, you know, they all do things a little bit different. They all have their own philosophy or approach because not everyone is 100% on the same page, like in terms of how exactly you should feed raw, for instance, mm -hmm. you know. But I would tell them, like, but the philosophy is there. The basic concept is there. And it's about feeding raw, fresh food. Now, how you do it, I said, you know, it's like Christianity. You can read the Bible and there's so many versions of it. It's up to you, whatever you believe, whatever rocks your boat, you know, and you think will send you to heaven, you know, <laughs> it, you know, what, whatever makes you believe, you know, just try it, you know, and I said, experiment and try and see what works for you. Because sometimes, you know, it's like life, you, you don't know, you know, should, you know, like, like, would this work or, you know, like maybe I prefer this way or that way, you know? So 
we each will through experience will have our own style as well our own experience will mold our our approach well, yes we are thinking everything um, our, our whole background yes but but the truth basically is always the truth mm. and we all we all come to the same roughly the same area by different paths yes you know and and that's what i, I try to explain to to the to the newcomers the newbies i tell them i said you're going to i always tell them i warn them i said like look you're going to read a lot of things when you start going into this uh, raw feeding thing and you're going to come with sometimes conflicting information or some very extreme views online you know but the basic concept is the same you know and i always tell them like if you look at the wild animals the wolves the lions the tigers you know look at how they eat and I don't think you'll go wrong. That's right. And when I was came back from England, we went over to Paris for a few days, staying in this tiny motel. This was the first set of lectures I did in England. And there was a program, the only one in English, on, on this uh, French television. So I naturally, and it was animals. It was about the wolves being reintroduced into Yellowstone National Park. And I couldn't help but be struck by the fact that they were all growing beautifully as they and there was not a single white coat. There was not an X-ray to determine whether they they had hip dysplasia. There was nobody telling them they should not eat so many eggs, or or that they should avoid the egg whites, or that. They, and I thought, mm, gosh. I mean, I knew that already, but I thought, doesn't this just illustrate the importance of? There's no rules. Actually, I had on my wall, um, in my very first no second surgery. It was a very old building, and we used to it was it had um, a very soft wall. It was made of very soft material. I don't even know what it was, but I was very young in those days. So we would practice with old syringes and throwing darts into the walls. And I had all sorts of sayings written up on the wall too. I actually think I photographed some of them. But one of them was, "There is only one life in rule. Only only one rule in life. There are no rules." Love it. So, I, I, I've just this little introverted rebel from day one. Lazy, lazy introverted rebel. Well, I think the world is very blessed to have you because <laughs> you you have done so. And you know, I love the fact that you're still thinking and working and doing your own research still. You know, um, and well, creating. Stop. <laughs> you know, and and creating because you know that's the thing. I I want I want. People like my mom, for instance, you know, I, 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 you know, she got into a bit of a tick with her um, when she was in recovery because her memory was a bit, she kept saying, oh, I'm old, I'm forgetful, you know, and I told her, you know, if you improved your diet, <laughs> you, you know, you might get a bit of a brain search and she got a bit offended by that. And then I told her, you know, I, because I interviewed Dr. Jean Dodds um, some time ago and Dr. Jean Dodds, is the same age as my mother. Wow. Okay. Really? Yeah. yeah. And but uh, Dr. Dodds is uh born in January. My mom was born in September, so my mom was younger than her. Mm -hmm. Um, and I told my mom, I said, you know, I know this, I know this lady, and she's the same age as you. In fact, she's older than you because she's a she's the beginning of the year. And you know, she's still working, she's a scientist, she's writing, she's lecturing. She looks fantastic for her age, you know. Um, and then my mom was so angry with me. She said, 
Well, the, you know, <laughs> it's a good thing. My mom doesn't know I do a podcast, by the way. She doesn't know I do this, which is a good thing, actually. Um, but, you know, she, she actually said to me, yeah, she's lucky because she was born in January. I was a September baby. So I went through the war, you know, like I, I had the worst of it. I had the short end of the stick. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, you see, that's where I think the brain compensates. We and, can and, rationalize anything. Yeah, we, we make up excuses and the universe, mm. you know, that's that's my mom's uh, superpower. She she makes the universe goes around her. I have two major influences, my mother and my brother. My mother died of Alzheimer's, the worst thing I ever saw. And my brother, who was a, a play, he was a theater director. And a little bit crazy, but he is currently, you know, he's two years older than me, but he's had dementia now for about 10 years. Oh, and he sorry. looks, he doesn't even know me. But the last time, and, and he used to pay me to go and see him. And they both, they both make me want to eat right. But when I went, the last time I went to see him, he didn't ask to come home with me. In fact, he told me that he was sick of me being there and he told me to fuck off <laughs> and that was the best thing because he wasn't he was this, this was my brother in full flight and he didn't know who I was and he saw me as some sort of person that he didn't like and he was happy where he was and he didn't require to come back with me and I said okay no worries I will fuck off <laughs> And I went out laughing for the first time because I normally go out crying. But I, I don't know whether they have the, the gene for this or not, a pair of them, my mum and him, but it doesn't really matter. I could have it. I don't want to know. Um, but what I do is try and keep the brain active and the food right. And one of the things I, I did actually learn after he was, he, he, had, he had some trauma with a fall and got a brain bleed. So it's not just Alzheimer's, though it's partly that that ketones are both neuro-restorative and neuro... Uh, well, they're, they're, they're neuro-protective um, and neuro-restorative. So ketones have this enormous role to play. And the more I look into it, the more I believe that we are actually more designed, at least intermittently, to use ketones for our brain because we were obviously, in our, in our evolutionary history, whether we were humans or before that, periods when we didn't eat and we obviously re required ketones. So I today where we, we fervently believe that the brain only requires sugar and that's the way it's designed, I don't believe that's true. I think we're actually designed to use ketones more than we know that we are. Anyway. Do you, do you fast? I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm too much of a gluttonous pig. <laughs> I've never been game to fast. I, well, no. I, How about a 12 hour fast? I, I do. I, I fast. Okay. Like this, this morning, for example, I, I won't have breakfast um, and I, I will eat it. So I have the 18 hour fast every day kind of business. But, but to go several days without food, I, I, I don't have the. I haven't yet in, got the willpower to do that. And I know it would be good because I would my body would undergo all sorts of restorative mitochondrial autophagy and all the stuff that we're now learning about. But um, maybe soon. 
maybe soon. You know, um, I think the last... Do you fast? The last couple of years, I started to try intermittent fasting. So I did the 12 hours first, and then the 16... We're talking about the overnight fast. Yeah, the overnight fast, just to start, you know, get my feet wet. Because don't forget, I'm, I'm Asian, I'm from Singapore, we love food. Right. I, I love food, but yes, yeah. I, I'll go with that. So, so I started with the overnight fast, and then I started um, cutting out breakfast and having lunch instead as my first meal. So it became like a 16, 18 hour fast. Mm-hmm. And then I think the longest I did was maybe a 20 hour fast. And remember, I was telling you that I was this few months, I was doing this wild fit program. And um, they were talking about ketosis mm-hmm. and, and basically doing a mini fast. So there was, a, there was an optional challenge in this course that, I, that I'm still doing um, where do a 72-hour fast, water fast. Oh. Okay? Oh, wow. But I think because I went through their food psychology program thing, plus I've been doing intermittent fasting before that, um, I... Sudden, I felt comfortable enough to try this mini 72-hour challenge. So I, I did the fast last Wednesday night, and I broke it on Sunday morning lunch. Wow. wow. Um, but I had water and Alkogizer. It's Alkogizer is their version of like a, a blended uh, vegetable blend drink. So you, you, mm-hmm. put, you put all your veggies in a blender with yep. some water. You blend it up. It's raw, and then you you take that. So you pack up all the nutrients, the the, the phytonutrients. So you know, so and I electrolytes had, and electrolytes. So yes. I had a mix of mainly uh, water or herbal teas with with my alkogizer, you know. Um, and the first day, I was so well aware of my tummy growling and rumbling and thinking like. What's everyone eating now? What should I, what time is it now? What should I be eating now? You know? Um, yes. And, but I managed to get through day one. Um, and then day two happened. And my stomach physically started to rumble more because it was actually, basically it was being emptied out. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and it was rumbling a lot. And I, I was very conscious of the emptiness of it. But I knew that it wasn't hunger. It was just an empty stomach syndrome. Mm-hmm. And because I was taking my, my liquid fast as well and the alkogizer, so it wasn't completely like empty, empty. I only had one like one cup of alkogizer vegetable a day. That, that, was, wow. my, that was my so-called like lunch, lunch break kind of thing. But the rest was just tea, herbal tea or water, basically. Um, and I managed to go through day two and then day three. And then um, the challenge was that you don't break your fast on the third day. You break it on the fourth day. That's what mm-hmm. they will advise you. So you did you, a full 72 hours. But because I started on Wednesday night, I said, okay, I'm going to break it on Sunday lunchtime-ish kind of timing. So it's actually more than a 72-hour fast for me. But um, my skin went through... I don't know what is a keto rash. That's what they call it. Um, like the skin sort of broke out because they say the toxins are coming out or something. Uh, a detox period is happening. So I had 
like very itchy skin like around my neck or the side of my face, which at first I thought was because I was wearing the face mask because you have to wear the face mask in Singapore. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized when I was wearing the mask, it irritated the side of my skin a lot. Right. Uh, especially the mask that's given by the government because it has some microfiber layer or something. You know? And I realized, okay, I have to wear a cotton, like a pure cotton mask. I can't, I can't use that, that um, surgical mask or whatever they, they, they're giving me because it's irritating my skin. Um, but I realized because I am sort of going through ketosis now, um, quite mildly, I would put it, because even though I broke it, I'm still um, eating a very simple diet. So I'm not, I just realized, I didn't even realize it, but I'm actually only eating one meal a day now. And I, I, didn't, I didn't even realize it because I'm not that hungry. Wow. I'm actually not that hungry. Though I do think like, oh, it'd be nice to have, you know, this or that, you know, uh, some cravings here or there. But I, I just think of it, but I don't act on it. Right. If you see the difference. <clears throat> yeah, no, no. So, so everything you know, has changed. Yeah, you know, and I realized like, okay, like your, your interview was um, 6 a.m. my time, right? Because you're two hours ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So I told myself last night that, okay, I need to sleep by 8 p.m. That, that was what I was saying. I need to sleep by 8 or 9 p.m. my time to wake up, you know. Yep. Give me enough time to prep for, for, for this interview. But I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. And I was itching, you know, because it was just itchy. But the, the funny thing was, I just couldn't sleep. So I spent the whole night reading. Really? Really, I did not sleep. The only time I did lie down for a while was about 3 a.m. Because um, I think because I got tired of reading after a while, my eyes got a bit tired. I so, said, okay, I need to close my eyes. But I, so I only slept for about an hour. And then, my, I, and, and then I woke up, you know, and I got out of bed. Like, usually, I don't know about you, but usually I'm a lazy person. So when the alarm rings and I go, you know, I, I just switch it off or snooze it. And now I'm like, turn a bit you know you sort of like oh you stretch a bit you sort of you know like like hello world you know <laughs> good morning you know hello cat hello dog you know but uh no I actually woke up and I just got up it's very strange you know and technically I don't know maybe I'll crash after this after after I talk to you today I might crash I don't know but I'm still feeling very wide awake. Well, I have no idea why, but last <laughs> night I could not sleep and I went to bed early because I knew I had to get up at a reasonable hour and make myself look moderately decent if I was going oh, to be... you look smashing. You do. <laughs> you do. You're a handsome man. Oh, God. No, I'm not, but you're a gorgeous woman. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You, you, you have... You have that very, very elegant, gentlemanly look about you. Very getting nice. Up, getting old. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. A little bit of silver, a bit of brown, you know, that's a yes. good, wise, you know, very mature, but very stable man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Looking at a gorgeous young lady and thinking, ah, oh, then what is that? <laughs> but, no, so it's, it's funny. Um that yeah, this fasting thing I've, I've started, um, I wasn't confident before 
whether I could do the fast. Right. Um, but now that I did you I've do it with it, somebody or did you do it by yourself? By myself. My flatmate is not into fasting. She's not into all this. Um, so, you know, I had to watch her eat and, you know, do stuff. Oh, wow. yes. And, you know, watch TV and see people eat on TV and, you know. <laughs> It'd be Even, easier if you're doing it with somebody. Yeah, I know. But uh, physically, well, so, no. So, well done. Well done. And one of our favourite things to watch is SBS Food and all those things. <laughs> Cooking channel. Yes. <laughs> Food channel, yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> You get sick of the murder and everything else and the horrible stuff and you see, and it's so lovely just to see somebody cooking. It's just, it's therapeutic. But if you're into art, you have to watch Bob Ross. Bob Ross. Bob okay. Ross. He's okay. American. Okay. He's a Canadian, actually. He's dead. Okay. But he did, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 seasons of, and 10... Uh, it's, it's he's such a beautiful man. He he's so soothing to listen to, and he transports you into just into the world of pure delight of creation. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So let me introduce you to Bob Ross. All right, I will look him up. I and you're almost inspiring me to think about a fast, but I'll, I'll I'll work on that because I know I should do it. It's just, it's it's interesting. I, I honestly, I wasn't confident in doing it because I thought I don't have that kind of willpower, uh, you know, especially since I know that I'll be the only one doing it physically. I don't have that physical support system. Mm. Um, but I had the online community sort of, you know, that I could talk to some friends about it. But um, strangely enough, I think this food psychology thing that I've been doing, like conscious eating and your food devil and food angel dialogue that I've been doing, for the last few months, it, it kind of helped me realize like, you know, it's okay. And I told myself, well, if you, if I really need to break it, I'll break it. You know, I'm not going to kill myself over a fast, you no. know, I'm not that dumb, not that self-destructive. That's the word I was going to use. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really strange because even now, even though I have this itchy, they call it the keto rash or something um, where my, your skin will flare up. And it'll be, it's almost like eczema. So it's, it, it's, it's something to do with the ketones or the acetones that's, that's coming out in your body that you're producing. Right. Well, may, maybe they're just irritating your skin as they yeah. come out. Yeah. And because in Singapore, it's humid, we're a tropical island. Mm, yes. So I sweat a lot and I walk my dog and it's hot, you know, uh, outside. So I have, I, when I was in Singapore with Alfred, I've never sweated so much in my life. We went to the Singapore Zoo and yes, that profuse, <laughs> unlimited sweat. Well, you're from Sydney, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney has very nice weather there, you know. Mm. So, yeah, you were really in the tropics when you were here, you know, buckets, bucket loads of water coming out of your, your body. And I wasn't even living in Sydney, which is on the coast. I was living in <laughs> Bathurst, which is inland, and it's hot and dry. Ah, yes. But that's Singapore, oh. It's different. A humid, a humid climate versus a dry climate, very, very different. Mm. Your skin looks amazing today. Oh, I, I can't see your neck, but I can see your face, your beautiful uh, face, and, and it is so clear. Well, uh, maybe it's Chinese Asian genes. I don't know, but well, that as uh, well. But um, <laughs> what you've been doing for the last ten years and everything else. Well, um, 
let me let me put it back to you. I mean, you've been eating as best as you can for the last yes. 60 over years <laughs> and you're looking very good. So imagine the, the 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 next phase if you were to up your game. Yes, I should. You are challenging me, my dear. You are challenging me. You know, even I mean even if you were just to start with a one day, you know, like 20 or even like one day, just try. It's it's not that difficult, especially if you I think the trick as well is to eat a lot of alkalizers, green veg, like very nutritious food before you break your fast. Mm-hmm. So that you have, your body isn't nutritionally starving. Yeah. Before you start. Mm, before you mm. start. Yeah. So I think that's why I think a lot of people who try so-called diets and fast and they can't do it is because they were originally eating kibble. Processed food, <laughs> of course. Before, before they broke their, before they started their fast, so they were they already like you know the the willpower and all that they 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 deficient nutritionally yes. deficient in mm-hmm. their body even a lot more than normal. Uh, so sometimes, you know, trying to if you want to call it willpower or whatever to to do a whole fast might be difficult for them because they're not they haven't changed their diet completely yet. Yeah, but because you're already on the path of a good health and good diet, yeah, stumbling quite a bit as I move along, but yes, mostly well, on the good path. I've actually at one stage I, I'd stayed in ketosis for some time. Wow! At one stage, yes, but I still ate too much. I wasn't calorie restricting, so I didn't lose weight. I just stayed in ketosis. Yeah. So like me, I'm I'm a lazy person, like you know. I so I don't count calories. In fact, the WildFit program, they don't even do calorie counting. Good to you hear. know. They don't do it's just basically an evolutionary diet. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar to yours. Like no counting, just eat the right stuff. Yes, of course. Yes. Eat the right stuff, cut out the bad stuff. So I like if you were to ask me like what's my calorie intake, I have no clue. Oh, you know. I never look at that either. But I do try to limit my food anyway. Yeah. And I realized the last few days, and it's only just hit me talking to you, is that I actually have really been eating a lot less than normal. Mm. Like well, yesterday. One, one I, meal a day. Yeah. I just realized I only had one meal like yesterday. And I was like, oh. And that meal was like late afternoon, like about 2, 3 p.m. So, you know. Something about a fast might be good. I don't know. Something about it. I, you know, I, I, cause I was very curious cause you know, you read like your books and talk about a ketogenic diet for the dogs. And I do fast my dog as well. Mm-hmm. You know, she goes, I, I try not to torture her too much, torture her, but I, you know, I try to do like, you know, like at least a 24 hour fast or 48 hour fast for her, you know, and she only eats one meal a day. Yep. Uh, well, the fast you've just done, I think um, that's the one that, is restorative of mitochondria. Mm. So that's going to keep you looking beautiful and young for the next 50 years if well, you keep doing it. Well, I'm, thank you. I'm, I'm not so much concerned about my looks. It's more like I think my physical agility, well, you know, pliability, and my what brain. I see is, is a very <laughs> vibrant person opposite me on this screen. So I think it's working. Well, I look forward to, to, your, to your next level. You know, I need to. I need to go to the next level. You know, and you know, the next time when we have not to the beyond. No, no, no. But you know, <laughs> up your game one more. You know. Yes, I think with, I need to up it. You with, are, you your, are with your nutritional, 
because I think the next time when I when I speak to you, it'll be it'll be good to see you know what uh, a change in you. You might look younger, definitely. There's a there's a challenge. I, I hear it being thrown out. Yeah, I I do yes. believe that because um, from I mean like just reading the books and and looking at all the you and you know like like the human functional doctors like Dr. Mark Hyman or even like Dave Esprit, you know all these biohackers, um, you know they how how they uh, how they look even for their age what they do you know i'm always interested in what are they doing how they're doing it uh, unfortunately i'm a lazy person so i don't think i'll do a dave esprit because he's too much of a scientist in that sense uh he, he he likes to do a lot of biohacking and he's into gadgets which i can't afford anyway but you know just the food itself and the exercise and you know like creativity like learning how to paint. Uh, it's funny that you said you've, you've been painting because I've actually started doodling again recently <laughs> on, on my phone, digital-wise, you know, uh, but I've been doodling drawings. You know, I try to doodle one a day. That, that's my, my oh, little challenge good. to myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so even if it's just a line drawing and it looks like something a one-year-old or a three-year-old did, it's fine. But I... Their art is always brilliant. They're the best. It's, it's the most instinctive and it's free it's and, raw. It's, and it's raw. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But uh, yeah, but you know, I think we have much to learn, I think, for humans and our companion animals, because you know, we what you're doing, what I hope I can do and 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 emulate what you're doing and, and spread your message as well, you know, that you know, actually to save the world is really simple. Everybody just needs to eat fresh, you know. Mm. And if we were to eat fresh, uh, if we learned how to respect our food, we will learn to respect the planet more, you know. See, one of the things we need to do, we need to have our farmland not in big monocultures, way out, we... we Every local area needs to have its own farmland. Yeah. It needs to have its own energy generating system. We need to be more local in everything we do. So we don't have to transport things for thousands of miles. Like I was always very conscious that the bath we produced was being sent a long way. And that was fine for a commercial reason, which you know paid me some money and all that sort of thing. But ideally, everything, every little township and I know it it's, doesn't make a lot of economic sense, but it makes good sense in other ways to have its own infrastructure for everything. So um, we don't have to send things all over the place. The only people we, things we should send uh, uh, once we get over this COVID thing is, is ourselves. But go and visit little communities where everybody does their own thing, makes their own cheese, makes, you know, the whole top box and dice. Probably never happened, but that would be ideal. Self-sustaining. Self-sustaining, all that. Yes. regenerative agriculture yeah. yes mm. all, all of that because and i looked into that too as along my journey it's a lot of things i looked into and one of them was um, self-sustaining agriculture and trying to live on a little plot of land where you grow everything yourself and never achieved it like most well of them. that that is that is one of my my aspirations of when i one day you know uh retire or move out of Singapore because Singapore is too expensive. And if you, you've been to Singapore, it's a very urban landscape. So owning a piece mm. of land here, it's, it's going to cost you a bomb. Of you course. Know? 
you know, but um, I've, I've always had this dream of like, you know, maybe going to a third world country where there's not much technology. That means like I will live in a dinosaur age probably and just live off the land, try to be self-sustaining, you know, like do a glass, glass house where I can recycle everything from water to my own urine and poop, you know, to, to, to replenish the soil and grow everything in a, in a living in basically a glass house. I think that's what you're going to call it. Yes, you know? yes. We need to use our modern technological brains to live like our ancestors, mm. but do it in a sustainable way and, and do it. We need to maintain the good parts of what we know and discard the bad parts, whether we can do that. Yeah. Don't know. So, okay, we've, we've really um, had a very, very long conversation today and I'm very, very grateful to you, but I'm very cognizant that you're two hours ahead of me. So it's almost your lunchtime now, I think. Uh, might be time for breakfast. Might be time for breakfast for you. Um, yeah. But I, I just wanted to thank you for making the time to speak to me. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I, I've thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed your company this morning. Uh, I rarely get to spend so much time in the company of an attractive <laughs> young lady. So thank you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh you're such a dear. Well, I expect you to look even younger and better the next time I speak to you. Well, from a fierce and dominant bitch, I, th <laughs> I, I will have to obey. <laughs> wow. I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.